Okay, we're back. Had a little technical difficulties. And um, now we're back. We're live. So let's get into it. First up, Biden caught being Creepy Joe once again. Biden caught on video luring two children, then disappearing with them behind closed doors. Footage going viral on social media appears to show Joe Biden luring two young children to him to join him before disappearing with them behind closed doors. I don't know why anybody would be okay with their kids being with a complete stranger, let alone Joe Biden. Members of the public can be heard expressing their surprise as the groper in chief whisks the children away. This is weird. Even for Joe Biden, comment on Twitter user on video, which appears to have been shot following his trip to Poland back in February. It's weird for Joe Biden. A lot of the idiots ignore or downplay these things are enabling this behavior. Parents, for the love of God, keep your young children away from this big guy. Let's get into it right here. On your What was your favorite thing there? What did you like in Poland? Really? Okay. Can we send them too? All right. Go, go ahead. Can I? Yeah. Can we? You have a seat? I, I can go. Yeah. He's... Yeah. I got it. understand how they could just just like that just like that you just let that man whisk away your kids let's get into this uh more in depth about this here we go fair use in collaboration with the World Health Organization and Bill Gates-funded Rutgers, has launched the next phase of their war against humanity, sexualizing little children in primary education worldwide for the purpose of normalizing pedophilia. And Joe Biden, who was caught on camera playing with himself in public. Yo, what is this? What is this? Yo, I can't believe this, man. He should be kicked out the minute you catch a president doing this. Impeach. Impeach. If it was Trump, it'd be a firestorm. Firestorm. Impeach him. And I would agree. He's, man, listen. Public this week has already agreed to accelerate the globalist plan to normalize pedophilia and push children to have sexual relationships and experiment with gender as early as possible. What can I say? Diddler's gonna diddle. Perhaps he was thinking about the United Nations new document titled International Technical Guidance on Sexual Education. It's the official guideline for elementary schools around the world. The goal of this document is described on page 16. In their own words, it aims to equip children to develop sexual relationships. If you think they mean sexual relationships in the future as adults, you're wrong. On page 17, the United Nations explains that this guide is intended to help children build relationships with romantic or sexual partners. In their own words, these skills can help children form relationships with sexual partners. Throughout history, the human race has been perfectly capable of forming relationships with sexual partners and starting families by having children. 
and almost every culture throughout history has had a strong taboo against paedophilia. So ask yourself why the United Nations, a globalist body with a clearly defined agenda, needs to get involved, unless they're trying to change something very fundamental about how humanity has always gone about things. Which is exactly what they're doing. Sexualizing children is an official goal of the UN Agenda 2030, and they are becoming increasingly flagrant in pursuing this goal. Before we expose the sick minds, nine-year-old children are to be taught about masturbation, sexual attraction, and sexual stimulation. The agenda to ensure that little children have sexual partners is being further developed by the World Health Organization, and they also have a strict timeline to impose on children's sexual development. Their document, Standards for Sexuality Education in Europe, contains the following instructions for kindergartens and elementary schools. Children between zero and four years old must learn about masturbation and develop an interest in enjoying their own and others' bodies. Children between four and six years must learn about masturbation and be encouraged to be assertive in expressing their sexual needs and wishes. Children between six and nine years old must learn about sexual intercourse, online pornography, having a secret love and self-stimulation. And children between nine and 12 years old should have their first sexual experience, experiment with gender orientation, and learn to use online pornography. If you are thinking this curriculum sounds like a paedophile's dream, you're absolutely correct. I'm about to play a disturbing video that's part of the European Schools Programme that works closely with the World Health Organization and the United Nations to implement their agenda in schools around the world. It's a real-world example of the execution of these guidelines, in this case in the Netherlands. The video shows how children are being encouraged by teachers to begin masturbating and become sexually assertive in the company of adults. The language is Dutch with subtitles, but it's an important video because the Netherlands is a testing ground for the globalist programs, and what happens there will spread worldwide. In the USA, Canada, Australia, the UK, Africa, Asia, and everywhere else. Uh, sex is not alone functioneel wanneer je alleen maar kindjes maakt. We hebben ook al een keer gezegd dat het ook leuk is om te doen. Je gaat ontdekken hoe werkt jouw lichaam en hoe werkt mijn lichaam. En jij? Heb je wel eens aan je piemel? Ga je wel eens aan je piemel zitten? Ja? En hoe voelt dat? Nee. Oh ja? En wanneer doe je dat dan? Doe je dat, doe je dat dan als we aan het eten zijn? Nee toch? Nee, of in de klas. Nee, toch niet. Nee, waarom doe je dat? They're going to turn these kids into the, into deranged serial killers. That's what's going to happen. These kids are going to be messed up for life. Some of them, unfortunately, may commit suicide. Every last every last person who do, who's involved in this should be put under the jail. Period. Under the jail. Biden included. Dat niet in de klas. Wanneer kan je nou aan je piemel zitten? What? Wow. Wow. And Germany was the one that was trying to get their reputation back. You, you don't want your reputation back. You want to be down with the Nazis. That's why you're helping Ukraine. This is this is disgusting, man. It's absolutely disgusting. The World Health Organization is, is down with this nonsense. Als je thuis bent. Maar dat is niet alleen jongens die klaar kunnen komen, ook meisjes kunnen klaarkomen. Maar die hebben dan geen zaadlozing, want wij hebben geen zaadje. Um, je hebt natuurlijk een eenwaarde gezien, dat noem je niet. The publisher of this video, the Rutgers Foundation, operates in 27 nations and is a close partner of the WHO, UN and WEF and is funded by Bill Gates and Planned Parenthood. According to Rutgers, kids must be given ideas so they will start with sex sooner. This is their publicly stated guide. Rutgers Foundation was Jan Rutgers, a fierce opponent of marriage, which he considered unnatural. He passionately promoted the reduction of the global human population by pushing a culture of free sex onto society. He believed humans should be like bonobo monkeys, having sex with everybody without shame or taboo. Adults with children, sons with mothers, you get the picture. 
Aside from the agenda to reduce the human population, Rutgers was also heavily involved in the worldwide movement to legalize paedophilia. In 1946, the Netherlands Association for Sexual Reform, NVSH, was founded, and they organized working groups on paedophilia that were supported by leftist Labour Party Senator Edward Bronguersma. This same Bronguersma then became the public face of the far-left paedophilia acceptance movement in the 1970s. Bronguersma was known for his frequent trips to Asia, where he abused underage sex slaves. He was convicted of child sex abuse in 1950 and spent 11 months in prison. After he was released from prison, Brungersma again organized paedophilia working groups. They published the magazine NIKS, which is the Dutch abbreviation for Towards Integration of Child Sexuality. In an online archive of this magazine, you can see the sickening profanity that was promoted by the man who would later gain Bill Gates' support. Naked children on the cover exposing their genitals and children having sex. The mindset promoted through this publication is that being being with a paedophile is preferable over being with the family. These are the fundamental mindsets of paedophilia, that what they are doing is good and people who are against it are bad. This mindset is also promoted in the guides of the United Nations, World Health Organization and Rutgers, albeit in a more sophisticated wording. It's nevertheless the same. Promoting sex with little kids is a human right and opposing it is a violation of human rights. Yeah, that's, that's all I could take, man. That's, that's all I could take. This crap is so damn disgusting. And this is the stuff that's coming down the pipe. People are going to have to homeschool their kids. Uh, you're going to have to do something to protect your kids. Teach them self-defense. Teach them, you know, you protect yourself from these teachers who even come up with this stuff. Pull them out of schools. Do what you have to do to protect your kids. Because they're coming after your children. All right, <clears throat> now we on to something else that is just utter madness. And it's uh, basically saying that, uh, hold on one second, that is saying that weight loss is white supremacy. Sorry about that right there. Let's go. Yep. The agenda is real. They're really trying to kill off people, especially minorities. Let's get into this one. Regards, these standards are changing and the deeper effects this could have on the social arrangements which exist in many cultures around the world. Let's get started. Back in the 1800s, being overweight was seen as desirable because it signaled wealth, because it meant you were not working out in a field. But then came the time of size zero starving models, which is also not healthy. Following that came the body positivity movement, which was supposed to allow women to accept themselves for having more realistic body types. But now we as a society seem to have overcorrected once again with claims that simply exercising is racist and morbid obesity is healthy. Our international correspondent Roxana Solano breaks down the woke meltdown over the modern image. Scotty, as many people head into the new year, the most popular New Year's resolution is to hit the gym, right? And get fit. Well, Time Magazine is now getting slammed for an article claiming exercising is racist. Athletes, doctors, and fitness instructors are dragging the magazine for attempting to connect exercise with white supremacy. The article title, The White Supremacist Origins of Exercise, claims the trend of women exercising is only geared towards white women. The article is centered around a new book, Fit Nation, The Gains and Pains of America's Exercise Obsession. Time interviews the author who says exercise is linked to reinforcing white supremacy. She claims the only reason working out became trendy is because racist thought white women should start building up their strength because we need more white babies. One doctor said these types of articles are ripping away America's trust in the media. 
According to Time magazines, when I exercise each day, I'm engaging in a white supremacist activity. One person even noted Time magazine is endorsing 50 minutes of white supremacy. This is crazy. This is insane. So they're really trying to depopulate the population hard. They want you to think exercise is bad. And there are going to be some weak-minded people that think it's okay. You even got Lizzo. Okay. I'm making fun of Lizzo. But she, because of her stubborn mindset, they're having her be the poster child of body <gasps> positivity. Okay. And having her be the spokesperson. And she is a black woman. And they're going to use that to try and break down people from exercising and living longer okay and they use and people are gonna sound you know get offended but they use black people and i'm black they use black people in mainstream media as the face of degeneracy it's just the truth weight loss crime rape anything you could think of that's what they do and she's an industry slave so she's going to be okay with putting out her body and her mindset that I don't have to change my body, even though it will benefit me, even though it will help me live longer, even though it will um, decrease any health complications. It's my body. I'm going to live however I want to live all because you have money. And the sad thing is like for people who have money, they some of them have this delusion that because you have money, you are um, immune for the consequences of your actions and immune to taking care of your body. Supremacy a week, as two headlines within hours of each other show exercise to be linked to white supremacy and a longer life. An athlete, former heavyweight boxer Ed Latimore said, first math was a tool of white supremacy. Now it's exercise. Pretty soon, food is going to be a tool to continue systematic racism oppression. Time magazine is getting ruthlessly mocked as they employ a self-proclaimed historian and BLM activist to try and convince us exercising is racist. This article came out during one of the worst flu seasons when real studies show exercising and keeping a healthy lifestyle help prevent serious symptoms from COVID, flu, or other illnesses. And this isn't the first time a magazine has received backlash for their take on exercise. Cosmopolitan released this article featuring several obese women with the headline, This is Healthy. And the article was released during the height of COVID when studies have shown people who are overweight suffer far more severe COVID symptoms. While everyone should want to feel beautiful in their own skin, it is important to be realistic about what is truly healthy. Social media is trying to cancel the, world, the word obese, saying it is offensive, when in reality it is an actual medical term for when a person has a BMI or body mass index of 30 or higher. People are putting pressure on doctors to stop weighing patients at checkups because they claim it is triggering for them to see how much they weight. However, sudden weight gains or losses can be crucial for a doctor to note, as it could be the first sign of a more serious illness. And that is the issue. Okay. It's sad how people are going to gobble this up. Lazy people are going to gobble this up. You got men that will gobble this up, this nonsense. Because they feel they don't need to work out. Hell, you got men who think that they because you have surgery now like you had the bbls now you have the surgery where you could chisel the fat to show fake abs and fake muscles i kid you not that's what they got that's what they have going on right now that is what they're doing and people are just taking it in thinking that this is the right way to go the lazy way out of exercise No, going into the sun and trying to lose weight. No, willing yourself to go through the pain of moving your muscles to get them to get you to a reasonable weight. All that is now a thing of the past. And a lot of we just also had a woman who was on a reality show and she had her own salon, but she was morbidly obese and she was eating pizza 
and try to like healthy pizza. It's still pizza. And now she's dead. Because she wanted to be body positivity. All right. All right. We're going to talk about Nigeria now and how they're being forced to take in a CBD. Let's get into that story right now. Okay. Fair use. Forcing its citizens to go cashless by banning cash. I'm Khalila Reynolds, financial journalist and educator based in Jamaica. Mm, well, we've been talking a lot about cashless societies over the past few weeks. And then this video about Nigeria just popped up on my feed. So, of course, I had to look into it. And to answer my original question, is Nigeria trying to force citizens to go cashless? The answer is, hmm, kind of looks that way. So let me explain. Last December, the Central Bank of Nigeria, CBN, limited the amount of money that people could withdraw from ATMs to 20,000 Naira, or about 45 US dollars a week. And this was a massive drop from the previous limit of 150,000 Naira, or 337 US dollars a week. They also limited bank withdrawals to 100,000 Naira or 225 US weekly. Now, officially, the country set limits on withdrawals as a way to cool inflation by reducing the amount of cash in the economy. But this was all happening right around the time that the central bank introduced its new central bank digital currency, the e-Naira, which was poorly received and was not being widely used by Nigerians. So, after they set stricter limits on cash, the central bank started encouraging people to use other channels like mobile banking apps and, of course, the e-Naira for transactions. Not long after that, the Nigerian government announced that it would be replacing the 200, 500, and 1,000 Naira notes with redesigned ones that are supposed to be harder to counterfeit. But instead of gradually introducing the new bills and phasing out the old ones, the government decided to devalue the old notes once the new bills went into circulation. And naturally, the changeover was complete chaos mostly because the government didn't print enough of the new notes. Now, keep in mind that Nigeria has a population of over 200 million people, and every one of them needed these new banknotes. So, of course, there was a mad dash to banks and ATMs to get cash, which led to long lines, ATMs running out of money, and banks closing early. Eventually, the ATMs just ran out of cash and some people were literally stranded with no money to even go anywhere. But what's there to the rescue? Dun, 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 the e-Naira. And if that plan was really to force people to use it, well, it's working. Nigeria's central bank said that by March, e-Naira transactions jumped 63%. That's 22 billion e-Naira or roughly 47 million US dollars. Nigerians also opened 13 million e-wallets over five months, and the amount of cash circulating in the country fell from 3.2 trillion naira to just 1 trillion. And by now, most of you are probably wondering why they're doing all of this. Well, the truth is, I do not know. But I do know Nigeria is Africa's largest economy, and it has an issue with corruption and illegal trade. So. Cutting the amount of cash available does cut the leg off some illegal activities. Now, for my Nigerian followers, let me know what's happening in your country. What's your take? That's what's going on, man. That's what's going on. You refuse, they're going to starve you out. And guess what? Don't think it won't come over here. Do not think it won't come over here. Nigeria's CBDC was not chosen. It was forced. Last year, the Nigerian government caused a, a cash shortage for the country's 200 million citizens that led to protests, riots, and unrest. Since then, the Central Bank of Nigeria probably announced that the adoption of e Nigeria's central bank 
digital currency, CBDC, has increased 12-fold from 0.5% to 6% of the population. Godwin Ifmel, the governor of the Central Bank of Nigeria, said the e-Naira has emerged as the electronic payment channel of choice for financial and ex executing social interventions. Whether an adoption rate of 6% is a success can be debated, but there should be no misunderstanding that the e-Naira was not adopted by choice. At, the, at best, it gained adoption due to desperation in the wake of the cash shortage and the government that the government has created. Governor Ifemili has been clear that the destination, as far as I'm concerned, is to achieve a 100% cashless economy in Nigeria. But make no mistake, while a cashless economy may be the choice that the Nigerian government has made, it is not the choice that Nigerian citizens have been free to make. Take a good look. Take a good look, because that could be that is the future of America. What is going to be happening with them? All right. That's what's going on. All right. I see what's going on with Russia and how they're playing kind of petty with the United States. And kind of a little bit of petty stuff around here. Let's go. Fair use, fair use. With more sanctions by G7 nations, Moscow has retaliated. It has announced the banning of 500 U.S. nationals from entering Russia. These individuals include former President Barack Obama. On Friday, the United States added hundreds more companies and indiv individuals to its sanctions blacklist. This as it broadened efforts to stifle Russia's economy and its ability to fund the ongoing war. In response, the Russian foreign ministry has said that Washington should have learned a long time ago and that not a single hostile step against the country will be left unanswered. The list of banned individuals include prominent personalities like television hosts Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Kimmel and Seth Meyers. The list also includes journalists. Russia says it has also blacklisted senators, congressmen, and members of think tanks involved in the spread of quote-unquote Russophobia attitudes, as well as the television hosts Stephen Colbert. Yeah, I want to rewind it to this person, right? I wanted to say this is the person that is advocating for eating bugs, just like other celebrities like uh, Robert Downey Jr., Nicole Kidman, um, the woman that played in uh, Black Panther 1 and 2, um, I forgot her name, but she didn't want to do Woman King because she found out the history of the, um, I forgot the Dahomey. The Dahomey helped uh, with the slave trade of blacks to the America, to America. <clears throat> She's also advocating for eating bugs. Just to let you know. Jimmy Kimmel and Seth Meyers. The list also includes journalists. Russia says it has also blacklisted senators, congressmen, and members of think tanks involved in the spread of quote-unquote Russophobia attitudes, as well as the heads of companies that supply weapons to Ukraine. Meanwhile, Russia has also said that it has again denied consular visits to detained U.S. journalist Evan Gashkovich, who was arrested in March on claims of spying. Now, according to the foreign ministry, this decision has been taken in response to the refusal from Washington to issue visas to Russian journalists traveling to the United Nations with Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov last month. Gashkovich is the first foreign journalist arrested in Russia on spying charges since the collapse of the Soviet Union. U.S. has reacted by saying that Gashkovich has been wrongfully detained and has launched a broad effort to exert pressure on Russia to free him. They should know better not to bring journalists over there. And you know that the tensions, relations between Russia and the U.S. is not good. American government, very, very entitled. Okay. Let's get into this uh, hit list that NATO has. Let's talk about that. <clears throat> All right. 
NATO runs a kill list naming Tucker Carlson, Scott Ritter, Colonial Douglas McGregor, and other targets. Vladimir Zelensky, an actor slash president of Ukraine, has been quietly compiling a kill list of targets whom he says are promoting narratives consonant with Russian propaganda. On it are names like journalist Tucker Carlson and Glenn Greenwald, former military and intelligence figures like Scott Ritter and Colonial Douglas McGregor, Roger Water of Pink Floyd, and even actor Steven Seagal. Why does Zelensky find these people and many others to be so much of a threat that he wants to kill them? The answer is simple. They refuse to tell the globalist narrative that Zelensky is the good guy in his skirmish with Russia and its special operation in Ukraine. Zelensky formed what is now known as the Ukraine Center for Counterterrorism, Disinformation, and supposedly independent watchdog group that has been collecting names of prominent figures who are accused of spreading a pro-Russian narrative. And they say that, you know, Ukraine is a country that is, uh, you know, they're the victim. They're innocent. Yet they're the ones killing journalists. They're the ones trafficking kids. They're the ones with organ harvesting on the black market. They're the ones creating synthesized cocaine to try to smuggle into Russia. Hopefully trying, I guess, weaken the morale of the Russian people. <clears throat> Mint Press news writer David Miller says his name was added to Zelensky's kill list because of how he framed the war in Ukraine, calling it NATO's proxy war with Russia that is taking place in Ukraine. This is, of course, the truth, but Zelensky does not seem to be all that interested in things like facts. In case you missed it, CBS released a documentary showing that only 30% of the NATO weapons supposedly being sent to Ukraine are actually making it there. That is true. Sad thing is even Vladimir Putin was warning the U.S. government to stop sending weapons and money to Ukraine. <laughs> in Zelensky's mind, everyone with a voice should be parroting the lie that Ukraine is an innocent victim of Vladimir Putin's aggression. Those who refuse to do so acknowledging acknowledging instead that Ukrainian leadership is among the most corrupt in the entire world could find themselves in Zelensky's crosshairs. Anyone who mentions any particular truth is derided for echoing Putin's talking points. Miller wrote in a piece of Maidan English called How Disinformation Works, Western intelligence agencies, global war, on, global war on the left. I was actually denounced as an information terrorist who might be guilty of war crimes. Miller explained that about the article in question, which you can read. Miller says the addition of his name to the Zelensky's kill is concentrates the mind wonderfully on the forces arranged against the possibility of truth and justice in the crime-ridden West. More than a decade ago, Miller was also accused by the Western powers of being anti-Semitic simply because of the long catalog of work on the Zionist movement. He produced exposing Western propaganda activities. Of course, the defamation attacks encourage an atmosphere where social media threats can be made. Miller wrote about how he has been the target of criminal Western leaders and regimes for many years. But the issue of Nazism in Ukraine will be seen in retrospect as a defining issue of our era. It is important to remember that the reason I and many others are threatened by the Ukrainian government and their NATO backers is because we, in turn, threaten to expose them for what they are, Nazi collaborators. Like much of the rest of the censorship industrial complex, Zelensky's Center for Countering Disinformation was formed at the height of the Wuhan coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic around March of 2021. He also formed the Center for Strategic Communication around the same time. As it turns out, the covert kill list website is a product of the Ukraine regime, effectively funded by the CIA, among others, and is hosted by NATO Miller Warns. Deep State refused to go down without a fight. That's what we're up against. That is what we're up against. We're basically, you know, our government is helping fascists and it's slowly becoming fascist itself. It's another thing. All right. Let's look into uh, what the Saudis got to say about this uh, Ukraine-Russia situation. 
let's let's uh, see what happened when Zelensky tried to get help from the Saudis. Saudi Arabia refuses to change stance on Ukraine conflict. The kingdom has said it will maintain a policy of positive neutrality toward the Ukraine conflict. Saudi Foreign Minister Prince Fasim bin Farhan has said that Radia and other Arab states are taking an impartial stance on Ukraine-Russia conflict and want to maintain ties with both sides. He made the statement after the conclusion of the Arab League summit in Jeddah on Friday, which was attended by Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. Since the beginning of the crisis, the Arab countries have taken a position of neutrality, opening dialogue with the Russian and Ukrainian parties while ensuring Arab relations with the two sides. Diplomat adding, we welcome hearing the viewpoints of both sides of the Russia and Ukrainian conflict. The Ukrainian leader insisted without singling, singling, any, singling anyone out that some Arab nations have been turning a blind eye to Moscow's illegal annexion. Saudi Arabia has declined to take part in the Western sanctions on Moscow, which include efforts to curtail its energy exports. Riyadh has continued cooperation with Russia through OPEC, plus a cartel of oil exporters has drawn criticism from the U.S. But the U.S. government is buying oil from Russia. Riyadh has expressed hope that it could broker a resolution to the conflict, pledging to maintain trade and diplomatic ties with both Russia and Ukraine. After meeting with Zelensky earlier on Friday, Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman spoke about the kingdom's readiness to continue mediating efforts between Russia and Ukraine. He said he would support all international efforts aimed at resolving the crisis politically in a way that contributes to achieving security. The Southern Foreign Minister visited Kiev and Moscow for high-level talks in 2022 and later said that the Ben Salman was involved in negotiating a prisoner swap between the two sides last summer, which he hailed as a humanitarian breakthrough. Okay. Oh, and, you know, <laughs> Zelensky didn't like that, man. He didn't like that at all. Okay. He did not like at all. This is what he said. Zelensky slams Arab leaders. Ukrainian president accused some states of turning a blind eye to Ukraine, Ukraine's plight. Plight of what? You guys are trafficking kids? Organ harvesting? What else? You're Nazis? Give me a break. Some Arab leaders are ignoring Russia's illegal conduct in Ukraine. President Vladimir Zelensky claimed that the, at the Arab League summit on Friday, he made the statement while attending gathering in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia in person. Without mentioning any names, Zelensky remarked that some attendees have a different view on the war on our land. Unfortunately, there are some in the world and here among you who turned a blind eye, blind eye to prisoner of war, cages and illegal annexions. The president insisted, I am here so that everyone can take an honest look. No matter how hard the Russians try to influence others, they, there must still be independence. Unlike many Western countries, Arab states have refused to impose sanctions on Moscow over its military operation and in negotiating. In a neighboring state, all rich nations in the Persian Gulf worked with Moscow through OPEC to enact coordinated production cuts, prompting criticism from Washington, which is seeking to curtail Russia's oil exports. Speaking on Friday, Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman said that Red Hat sees itself as a potential broker for peace. We affirm the kingdom's readiness to continue mediating efforts between Russia and Ukraine and support all international efforts aimed at resolving the crisis politically in a way that contributes to achieving security, he said as cited by Algeria. Last year, Saudi and the UAU, UAE helped negotiate high-profile prison exchange between Kiev and Moscow. Ben Salman spoke to the Russian President Vladimir Putin over the phone last month during their friendly and constructive conversation. The leaders agreed to bolster relations between the two countries, the Kremlin said. Okay. I... What's the problem? They, they want peace. The Saudis want peace. They already know, I think they already know what type of person Zelensky is. All right? So now they're not having it. They're they're not uh, going to put up with 
Zelensky and constantly begging for money. Nah. You want to get embarrassed. That's probably it. Like the American government just throwing, you know, weapons and money at this war and the weapons ain't even reaching Ukraine. They're going somewhere else. Ukrainians selling it, in, you know, to make money because they know they're broke. They're trying to pocket that money any way they can. And Biden looking like a clown. You know, if you're going to be an evil, mad president, you know, make sure you have good, evil allies that you can trust. <laughs> that's how I see it, man. That That's how I see that. All right. Okay. So, get on what's going on in Ireland right now. Let's check that out right now. Listen, Ireland's new so-called thought crime bill. How many years in jail can you get and which parties are backing it? The Republic of Ireland's new hate speech law is proceeding with the backing of everyone from Sinn Féin to Irish Premier um, Leo Varadkar. But it has stirred a fierce reaction from people fearful that it is basically a thought crime bill. After reading the article, most of it, it pretty much is. It pretty much is a thought police article. Criminal justice incitement to violence or hatred in hate offenses bill 2022 has as a whole seeks to amend law retaliating to the prohibition of incitement to violence or hatred against a person, a group of persons, an account of certain characteristics or the group or the people. These protected characteristics are race, color, sexual, race, color, nationality, religion, national or ethnic origin, descent, gender, sex characteristics, sexual orientation or disability okay importantly this is the bill's definition of what gender means the gender which is a person expressed as a person's preferred gender or with which the person identifies and includes transgender a gender other than those of male and female the three main clauses are sections 7 8 and 10 they set out what the new crimes will involve and what kind of person what kind of prison time offenders could get section seven of the bill says it will be a crime if somebody communicates material to the public or a section of the public or behaves in a public place in a manner that is likely to incite violence or hatred against a person or a person of group of persons on account of their protected characteristics to count as a crime section seven says the offender must have either the intent to incite violence or hatred or have been reckless as to whether such violence or hatred is thereby incited. This added to definition of gender above suggests it will become a crime to voice views which risk in resulting in hatred towards people who are biologically male but who want to access to women's changing rooms and sports because they feel female. This is a pedophile's wet dream. So if they want to go in there and assault a uh, female they could say I identify as a woman that's it I they could say they identify as a you know as a teenager but they're 40. similarly it also suggests it will be a crime to express views which could inspire hatred towards the non-binary movement rise of people who say they are neither male or female but instead belong to some new category like two-spirit or gender queer the maximum penalty under Section 7 is five years in jail. Section 8 deals with the condoning, denying, or grossly trivializing genocide, war crimes, crimes against humanity, and crimes against peace. It says that to behave in a public place in such a way or to communicate material of this kind will be a crime. can be proven, proven there is intent to incite violence or hatred. The maximum penalty under Section 8 is one year in jail. Section 10 goes even further. Under this section, it will be a crime of some merely possesses possesses material that is likely to incite violence or hatred against a person or a group of persons with a view to the material being communicated to the public or a section of the public, whether it be 
whether by himself or herself or another person. The bill says that where it is reasonable to assume that the material was not intended for personal use, you presume that the accused did indeed intend to disseminate it unless they can be proved. Otherwise, the maximum punishment under Article is two years in jail. However, there is a get out clause for suspected offenders. They can defeat the prosecution by showing the material in question counts as a reasonable and genuine contribution to literally artistic, political, scientific, religious, or academic discourse. Okay. I feel sorry for people in Ireland, though, because you can't really say what you want and you can't warn people what's coming like you can in America. Right? It's going to be a tough, tough time for a whistleblower in Ireland. And they need whistleblowers because the things that are going on there, especially with Ukrainian refugees going over there, and plus you have neo-Nazis posing as refugees coming over there, plan to take over Ireland. About to get into some videos here. All right. Let's check this out right now. Former FBI special agent left homeless after blowing the whistle on FBI and Department of Justice. Three former FBI officials have detailed how they were retaliated against by the FBI for daring to speak out. They testified on Thursday during a public whistleblower hearing by the House Select Committee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. In his testimony, former FBI special agent Garrett O'Boyle claimed that he and his family had their belongings confiscated by the FBI and were subsequently left homeless after he was suspended from the Bureau for speaking out against them. All right. FBI Special Agent Gary O'Boyle. Garrett O'Boyle was transferred across the country only to be suspended on his first day. The FBI's actions forced his family to beg and borrow warm coats for their children because the family's belongings were locked in an FBI-controlled storage facility. Wow. Chairman Jordan, members of the committee, thank you for addressing FBI malfeasance and allowing me to speak today. Aside from that point of gratitude, I'm sad, I'm disappointed, and I'm angry that I have to be here to testify about the weaponization of the FBI and DOJ. Weaponization against not only its own employees, but against those institutions and individuals that are supposed to protect the American people. I am here today because even though I am wrongfully suspended from the FBI, I remain duty-bound to the American people to play my small role in rectifying these issues. After all, I never swore an oath to the FBI. I swore an oath to the Constitution. I've served my nation and community my entire adult life, first in the United States Army, then as a police officer, and lastly as an FBI special agent. Shortly after high school, I joined the United States Army where I served in the infantry and I was quickly promoted through the ranks. I deployed to both Iraq and Afghanistan in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom. I served in the historic 101st Airborne Division. I received the Combat Infantryman's Badge, which is awarded to those infantrymen who engage in ground combat with our nation's enemies. The Army's official motto is, this will defend. Along with numerous others, I volunteered to serve this nation, risking my life in combat to protect America and her values. I know some of the best men and women this country has to offer. They come from all backgrounds, races, and creeds. They helped mold me into the person I am today. Each was willing to sacrifice, and many did, to protect this great nation. It is our duty to honor their sacrifices by standing up for what is right, regardless of the difficulty. After serving in the Army, I became a police officer. Police officers, like me, are imperfect beings, but we strive to uphold the law and the Constitution. People who go to work every day trying to make their communities better, yet who nonetheless are faced with budget cuts and calls for defunding as we continue spiraling away from law and order as a nation. While serving as a police officer, I finished my bachelor's degree graduating with honors in criminology and law studies. Shortly thereafter, I began the long road to becoming an FBI special agent a position I once understood to be the pinnacle of law enforcement and a way to continue to serve this nation and protect and defend the Constitution. During my four years as a special agent, I received the highest annual review an employee can receive. I volunteered for, tried out for, and was selected for an FBI SWAT team. I also volunteered for, tried out for, and was selected for a new unit the FBI created. 
I also received an award for my work on an anti-abortion extremism case. I've been smeared as a malcontent and subpar FBI employee. This smear stands in stark contrast to my life in public service. This smear campaign, disgusting as it is, is unsurprising. Despite our oath to uphold the Constitution, too many in the FBI aren't willing to sacrifice for the hard right over the easy wrong. They see what becomes of whistleblowers, how the FBI destroys their careers, suspends them under false pretenses, takes their security clearances and pay with no true options for real recourse or remedy. This is by design. It creates an Orwellian atmosphere that silences opposition and discussion. We know what is right to do, yet we too often refuse to do what is right because of the difficulty and suffering it incurs. I couldn't knowingly continue on this path silently without speaking out against the weaponization I witnessed, even if it meant losing my job, my career, my livelihood, my family's home, and now my anonymity. It's up to members of this committee, current and former FBI employees, and indeed all Americans, to ensure that the weaponization of our own government against the people comes to an end, no matter the personal cost. As James Madison prudently opined, in framing a government which is to be administered by men over men, the great difficulty lies in this. You must first enable the government to control the governed, and the next place, oblige it to control itself. The safeguards currently in place at the FBI are clearly inadequate and must be reworked to protect whistleblowers and others who are inappropriately targeted. The FBI can extract whatever they want from me. I'm willing to bear that burden. I've sworn to defend this country from enemies, both foreign and domestic, even if that means sacrificing my life. I've lived that oath out since first enlisting in the Army, consistently saying, here am I, send me. My oath, however, did not include sacrificing the hopes, dreams, and livelihood of my family. My strong, beautiful, and courageous wife and our four sweet and beautiful daughters who have endured this process along with me. In weaponized fashion, the FBI allowed me to accept orders to a new position halfway across the country. They allowed us to sell my family's home. They ordered me to report to the new unit when our youngest daughter was two weeks old. Then, on my first day on the new assignment, they suspended me, rendering my family homeless. <clears throat> they refused to release our goods. Okay, it's uh, cutting off, but um, you already have problems. The government already has problems with uh, trying to get people to come into the military, and now you're doing this. Good job. Good job. The three FBI whistleblowers, whistleblowers, FBI Special Agent Garrett O'Boyle, former Special Agent Steve Friend, and FBI Staff Operations Specialist Mark Allen have all been suspended from the Bureau for expressing concerns about alleged abuses of power. These agents shared their concerns over the handling of January 6th cases. Specifically, they, uh, they were instructed to pursue domestic violent extremism, disregard standard investigative procedures, and pursue January 6th investigations over child sex crimes, which were deemed no longer a priority. Whistleblowers, whistleblowers also accused the FBI of inflating statistics on domestic violent extremism to align with the Biden regime's political narrative. They did this by targeting pro-life groups, Catholics, and parents attending school board meetings to make it seem like they pose a domestic terrorist threat. Special Agent O'Boyle gave powerful testimony before the committee Thursday morning on the weaponization of the FBI and DOJ, stating that the organizations were weaponized against not only their own employees, but against those institutions and individuals that are supposed to protect the American people. O'Boyle also revealed the hardships that he and his family have gone through after the FBI retaliated against them, against him for vocalizing concerns over their apparent abuses of power. Okay. I'm here today because even though I'm wrongfully suspended from the FBI, I duly bound, I'm duly bound to the American people to play as my small role in rectifying these issues, said O'Boyle. After all, I never swore an oath to the FBI. I swore an oath to the Constitution. All right. So everything here he already said in the article. And um, that's pretty much it. Okay. Now he has to keep fighting on, keep fighting the good fight, I guess. But I find it very interesting. A lot of things are being revealed right now. 
a lot. All the dirt is coming out in the wash. Okay. So now we're going to be talking about these gender transitioning drugs and how they are dangerous. Let's get into that. Our goal overall is to bring awareness to detransition. We've gone through it, we've escaped out of it, and we're exposing the truth of, the, of their life. At 15, I underwent a double mastectomy and my breasts were permanently removed. I wanted to be a mother one day. And if I were to continue down the path of being a faux male, I never would be able to do that. I stopped transitioning. I started socially transitioning at the age of 15. Medicalization began at 17 with a very high dose of testosterone. When I turned 18, my birthday present to myself was cutting off my boobs. I went on testosterone and estrogen blockers at age 17, and then age 19, I had a double mastectomy, but that mastectomy went very wrong. I ended up having massive bilateral hematoma, which is like pulling of blood underneath the skin. And my surgeon, he was nowhere to be seen. It was just, let me take your money, let me like, you know, use a scalpel on you and then. I knew in the beginning there wasn't gonna be any support. They claim to be the good guys, but the good guy does not yell at people, silence them, give them credible death threats. Unbeknownst to me, my daughter was being socially transitioned into believing that she was a boy. My daughter's school was transitioning, socially transitioning her behind my back. And she had a teacher who was using male pronouns and a new made-up name for her. This was when she was 11 years old. My daughter um, decided that she was a boy at the age of 13. And I watched my daughter uh, mental health uh, decline significantly when she took on a trans identity. We had a parent that came to us and we had teachers that came to us that they were being told by the administration that Title IX includes confidentiality to lie to parents. Telling these children that they can't trust their parents with this critical issue that they're dealing with in their life. You're undermining the very foundational element of that which nurtures a child. In that moment we say we might be trans, we are automatically affirmed and given a pathway to medicalization and surgeries. Even adult patients who I've talked to, they feel like they were duped into something that they were lied to by the doctors, that they weren't really given the full picture of how transitioning would affect them. Parents are being lied to who are vulnerable with suicidal children and being told that if they don't affirm, medicalize, mutilate, and sterilize their child, that that child will kill themselves, and it's just not true. We're in a society where there's a quick fix for everything. They want to give you a pill for everything. They want to give you a procedure for everything. Most of the kids are on some sort of medications all the times. Uh, my daughter, friends group, they're all like popping pills at an insane pace. The adults in the community were telling them it could be helpful for them to take drugs <laughs> that could ruin their endocrine system and get surgeries that could leave them, you know, with pain for life and incontinence and risk of sepsis. There's no one on the medical side who can help them detransition because this is all an experiment. They don't understand why the detransitioners have pain. They don't understand why things ache. They don't understand why they have incontinence. They don't know. There's also, I think, a huge profit incentive to this, and my, my doctors, none of them really followed up with me after I stopped transitioning. Gender industry is a $1.2 billion industry. If you have a so-called sex change, and you have, uh, for example, a, a double mastectomy, uh, and a phalloplasty, and then another phalloplasty, and then a corrective phalloplasty, and then maybe you get a little bit of a metodioplasty, you're talking quarter of a million dollars over the course of, uh, of, of 15 years. So we'd love to have a transgender patient, right? This money right in your pocket. I want to stop the practice of medically transitioning and harming these children. We have to get this away from children because children are very impressionable. You know, they have other medical conditions like people thinking they shouldn't have uh, an arm. Seriously, like they feel that 
they shouldn't have it on. They they should be an amputee. But you don't see them getting this much support. And it's just like the lady said, because there's money in these de- in these uh trans transgender surgeries, these gender reassignment surgeries. And I did talk about Gavin Newsom's kidnapping bill in California, where um they can take your kid and put them in a group home without your consent if the kids doesn't feel like they're in the right body that's what they could do for young minds we need actual safeguards this is a gender war it's a cult and children and mentally ill people are on the front lines going straight down the conveyor belt to the altar to cut off body parts this is mutilating otherwise beautiful perfect young children we need to stop these procedures for everybody under the age of 18 we have to finally legislatively ban this practice i do know people who you know very well at least believed that they were going to end their life they didn't get transitional medicine i do feel like if we gave people psychological interventions that maybe we wouldn't be seeing the necessity for the medical interventions whatsoever they say a woman is is a barbie and what they say a man is is G.I. Joe, and nobody's either of those. We're all in the middle, and we should celebrate our differences and never tell a child that everything is wrong with their body. You cut off body parts of children when they don't fit right. You teach them how to live into themselves. We're perverting people's completely normal feelings and their struggles, that their bodies are wrong and that they should change them, and that's not right we should be teaching people from the get-go is that you are whole. Nothing will make you whole. You have to find that within yourself. You know, as I watch that video, some of these, um, you know, people that have gone. It's insane what's going on, man. It's really insane. And they're going to push and push and push till they actually get your kids. The, the World Economic Forum is already saying that children should be, toddlers should be exposed to masturbation. And they already have, uh, it, it's, it's wild, man. It's, it's, it's wild what's going on, man. And it's just, the thing is, is like, how, you wonder to yourself, how are these people Allowed to walk amongst us, doctors, politicians, saying that this is okay to do to a child, that your child should be okay with learning about perverted stuff at a young age. Okay. And that that right there is is just like any parent would would lose it. And the school board's not on your side. And one issue with a parent having to deal with the fact that a trans trans girl assaulted his daughter and the school administration lied about the facts of the incident and the, the, the father had to be dragged out of there. And I, I side with the father. I really do. Because this is what we are dealing with right now. This is what we're dealing with. I'm going to show this right here. Hold on one second. All right. All right. One minute. 
seconds, taking a little time to load. Okay. All right, it's a little slow. Give me a minute. Just trying to show it. All right, I can't get it, but uh, hope you enjoy the stream. Anything you want to know about this channel is in the comment section. That's it for now. Like, share, comment, subscribe. Later.